Hi guys and welcome to the second episode of my podcast. Today I want to talk to you about influencer marketing. Now why is this topic interesting to me? So on the one hand it's something that can be very lucrative for the influencer and on the other hand it's something that can be very lucrative for the company that's employing that influencer to recommend their product or to sell something or to create awareness about their brand. So I also find the psychology of influence really interesting. So this is something that I love to dive into. But also I find that this topic, it's something that has so many misconceptions around it. Generating the desired results through influencer marketing, it's something that's very possible, but it's not something that's very easy. So just like there are many, many examples of influencer marketing creating amazing results for companies, there are just as many, if not more, examples of influencer marketing failing. So the idea behind this episode is to decipher what it is that actually makes influencer marketing effective so that whether you are an influencer or an aspiring influencer or whether you are a marketer trying to find different ideas for creating new effective ways of doing your marketing, whoever you are, you will find something for yourself within this episode. To give you more of an understanding of influencer marketing, I want to tell you the story of how I actually came to discover it. I come from a background of traditional marketing, and it's traditional marketing that has always been my passion with an emphasis on branding and brand building. I remember being fascinated in university while listening to lectures about the valuation of companies and their brands. Our professor would talk about the concept of goodwill and how top companies were often worth much more than the value of their actual physical assets. So It was actually the company's qualities, like their brands or their ads or their products or their reputation or the fact that they had a proven track record of being able to generate an income that was what was giving them their added value. And in building their brands, I saw that companies often used celebrity endorsements to generate sales and to generate the desired results. So this fascinated me, how these strategies of being associated with the right people or how creating the right symbolism and identification would lead to creating actual value. And it made me interested to find out more about the psychology behind brand building and creating desire for a particular brand or product. So in one of our classes, we covered Robert Cialdini's book, which is called Influence, and it talks about the psychology of persuasion. In this book, Cialdini talks about these six principles that lead people to act in a certain way. And actually, when you look at influencer marketing, you can see how It directly relies on three of these principles that Cialdini talked about as the basis of what makes it effective. The fact that it's based on this, it kind of explains why influencer marketing inherently is effective, even though many people believe that it is not, or even though there are some examples of cases when it fails. So the first principle is called social proof. When people see 
other people act in a certain way or they see them do something, there's this kind of herd tendency to follow along and to also want to have the same thing or to want to do the same thing. For example, if you're suddenly seeing everybody wearing Daniel Wellington watches, you find yourself also wanting to have one. Essentially, if we see people in society act in a certain way, we generally tend to feel that that is the correct way to act. So if the majority is doing something, we feel that that's the way that we should be doing things as well. The second principle states that there's a tendency to follow authority. So if we look up to someone, if we respect them for some reason, or if we perceive them as being very charismatic, we tend to accept that this person is a leader and that we should follow them when they tell us to do something. And the third principle states that when we like someone, we are much more likely to do what that person asks us to do or we want to do something that they would that we feel that they would approve of. So when an influencer recommends a product and tells you that you know you should buy it, there's a much higher likelihood that we actually will do what they ask because we like them. So we want to do something that will please them or we want to do something for them even. Then the question becomes what makes us like someone? And essentially, there are, supposedly there are two reasons why we usually do so. One of those reasons is something quite simple. It's connected to physical attractiveness. So we generally tend to like, you know, beautiful actors and actresses or celebrities because of the way that they look. But of course, it's not the only reason, because if it were, then all the influencers in the world would be incredibly beautiful, which, which of course, they're not. So... There's a second reason why we tend to like someone. And this one is that we find that this person is similar to us. So we have a tendency to like people who are more like us. And it can be about the looks. It can be about their background. It can be about their opinion, the language they speak or their experiences. If we somehow feel that we can identify with an influencer or with their background or with who they are, then we feel that we can trust them and we feel that we are like them. So it's kind of the same principle that makes us choose our friends. We tend to like people who have some points of connection with us more. Since we're most more likely to take into account the recommendations of people that feel that we that we feel that are similar to us, then it's no wonder that the opinions of influencers who we relate to are something that we take into account and that we can act on. So that knowledge had always been in the background of my mind, but it was something that was just there and it's something that I wasn't really thinking about until around 2016 when I was working as a teaching assistant uh, helping an international marketing professor at Harvard University. And during this course, I actually learned more about this particular area of marketing. So in one of our classes, when we were discussing Snapchat, which was on the rise at the time, we, we were also talking about, you know, Snapchat influencers. And we were going over some case studies during this class. And there was this particular case that stuck with me. So there was the example of a Snapchat influencer who got paid $20,000 by a company to make a set of stories about 
her trip to this company's headquarters to show what the company looked like and to introduce it to a younger audience. I figured, you know, I can do that. So I set out to do my research. So I started following that Snapchatter and checking her stories every day. She basically put her whole life on display for everybody to see. It was such a huge level of vulnerability that I admit it was captivating. I started to feel like because of this vulnerability that she was having and the way that she was putting herself out there, I somehow started to feel like she was my friend who's sharing her stories, especially with me. And I became curious about her and how she came to be, where she was and where she started out. And one of the things that I found looking at her story is where, as well as looking at stories of some other successful influencers, I found that Instagrammers, vloggers, there's, there's few of them, of the big ones, who are these kind of freak successes that happen out of nowhere. It's actually really easy to, to find that there's something that they have in common. They usually start very young and they start early when the, when the new platform just starts to kind of rise. And then what they do is they consistently, over years and years, work on developing their channels and their profiles. Now, it may have been slightly different this past year with TikTok, where, you know, if you hack the TikTok algorithm, you could really rise to the top incredibly fast, which is just part of TikTok's strategy. But even then, if you look at the TikTok influencers, they're usually providing their followers either with some kind of value, like showing some kind of hacks, or with some good entertainment. So, you know, they post a lot of a lot of stories, they do their transitions, their posting is, is pretty consistent. Plus, this element of luck for TikTokers is ending. So the platform is becoming saturated, you know, good content is becoming more and more abundant, and it's no longer as easy to become big as it was uh, over this past year. I find that people often have this tendency to feel a little bit annoyed when watching the glamorous lives of influencers who seem to be doing nothing and you know getting a lot of getting paid a lot of money for just enjoying themselves but i think that this is a misconception because when you really start to analyze what these influencers are doing it's they're actually putting a lot of work into what they do and they're actually putting a lot of work into creating something that people will find relatable and interesting and fun to keep on watching. So I think that if it were something really that simple and that easy, more people would be doing it and more people would be becoming big at being an influencer. It's not just about showing your life. It's also about the way that you're telling the story. They use different camera angles. They use different interesting transitions. They make sure to follow the trends. They film their stories in this way that just looks cinematic. They have this proper flow of storytelling. So doing my research and watching these biggest influencers, I just, over time, I just couldn't help to start to admire them. But at some point I decided, okay, I've, I've had enough research. I think that I have a good enough understanding now of what it takes to be an influencer. So I really like being hands-on and I wanted to test out my theories. So I started thinking, okay, if I were to 
be an influencer, what could I talk about? And I had just turned vegan at the time, so I figured, you know, I have to eat every day anyway. Uh, I also have a small background in photography. It's something that I love. I, After finishing uni, I went to photography school for a year to, to do this course on photography and graphic design. So I thought, okay, this is perfect. This is something I can do. And in terms of platforms, I decided to try Instagram. I started researching Instagram influencers, especially Instagram vegan influencers, while starting to also take pictures. What I quickly discovered was that it's actually not as easy as it looks. I started by taking pictures with my phone at the time. And, you know, I looked at people's accounts. So I started dissecting, you know, what it is that they're doing. How are they framing their shots? How are they setting their backgrounds? And at first, I looked at them for just for inspiration. But, you know, I noticed at some point that even though I was doing a good job of imitating them, it, I still wasn't doing as well. So I figured, okay, if I want to do this, I've got to step up my game. So I switched to a DSLR camera that, that helped. Uh, my pictures were finally getting some traction, but it really wasn't until I understood that Instagram is a social medium. So actually it's all about engaging with the community. It's all about commenting on other people's posts. It's about looking at what others are doing and, you know, putting all that into effect. It was only then that my Instagram started to take off. So over the next three months, I managed to grow my following to over 10,000 followers. And I can definitely say that this was a full-time job. So to engage with the community, to like people's pictures, to arrange the food, to edit my pictures in Lightroom, because yes, I also bought Lightroom and some studio lights just to get my pictures better at some point. I started to understand by doing this that actually getting paid $20,000 by that Snapchatter for creating those stories, it's actually not that much money. Because for an influencer, they have to put so much work into building their community that it really, you know, it deserves to be rewarded because the fact that now they're just creating one story, it's, it's not anybody could do that story, but not everybody could build this kind of community and not everybody could build, build a dedicated following. The truth is that for an influencer to actually be big and to keep their audience entertained and interested, it takes a lot of work. My passion is actually marketing. My, my goal was not to be a big influencer, but I did want to gain experience and insight into what it actually means to be one. And I really found this helpful for, for me in my job, in my marketing job because I became great friends with many influencers. I knew their costs. I knew how much they charged companies for their services. I heard their stories about their success rates. And I saw how their followers interacted with them, how much they trusted them, how much they followed them, you know, how they bought the products that they had suggested. What I find that some people fail to understand with regards to influencer marketing is this larger context of marketing. 
they look at the you know discount code that they give the influencer to generate the sale but they don't actually look at what it is that they're trying to achieve with influencer marketing their strategy should not just encompass giving a product and saying okay please sell this it should encompass setting the product the proper price making sure that it's then available in the right location you know making sure that it has a wider promotion across different channels and it's also things like figuring out who the target audience actually is and mapping out their pain points their hopes their dreams to effectively appeal to their emotions because as we know the center of the brain responsible for purchase decisions is not the center of the brain responsible for logic it's the center of the brain responsible for emotions so figuring out who the audience is is something really important especially looking from the perspective of Cialdini's principles right you need to know who your target audience is so that you can find the right influencer that they will feel is similar to them. And then it's also about leading your customer down the purchase funnel from creating awareness through creating consideration through finally getting them to try the product and purchase it and, you know, in the end become a loyal customer. So there are different tools in the marketing manager's toolbox for awareness and for creating desire, like, you know, television or like influencer marketing or, or sponsorships. And there are different tools for the consideration stage of the, of the funnel. You know, you have the company blog or YouTube videos where you explain the differences between your product and the competitor's products. And you have different tools for generating sales. So, you know, if you already have the purchase intent, so somebody already knows the product, somebody already figured out how this product is different from competing products and they already want it, then you need to appear to those people through search engine marketing, like Google shopping ads or text ads. To make sure that influencer marketing is effective, you really need to understand what it is that you're trying to achieve as a company and who it is that you're trying to reach. Can influencer marketing generate sales directly? Yes, yes it can, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth. They can, you know, influencers can sell cars, they can sell food, you name it. Is it the best tool for you? It really depends. If you need people to learn about your product, you know, if you want to convince them to buy it, if you need to give them more information on how to use the product or show them the product and awaken this desire in them, or if you want to create social proof around your product, if you want somebody to recommend it through this experience of how it actually feels to use it in a personal voice as though coming from a friend, then influencer marketing is definitely the right choice. And there are plenty of examples across different industries of companies successfully using social media and influencer marketing to promote their products and build their brands from scratch. But that's not to say that everybody should just start doing influencer marketing without you know doing the due diligence and trying to find the and identify the really right and compatible great quality influencer that will be the right person to speak to their um, target audience plenty of influencers out there who you know don't do the legwork who have fake followers who don't provide their community with any value who don't interact with their community who 
actually just post, you know, some pretty pictures of themselves and then, okay, many people like those pictures, but they don't have this trust developed and this sense of community developed enough to actually make sure that when they ask people to purchase something, they will because they trust in that influencer's opinion and recommendations. As a marketer, you just need to look at the product and evaluate what channels are best suited to promote it. If you're selling computer games, you know, by all means, go invest in influencer marketing. Get one of those guys who reviews games to review yours in a fun and engaging way. If you're selling fantastic products for vegans, by all means, go to Instagram and send your products to vegan influencers who have great engagement rates with their followers and who have beautiful profiles. And, you know, if you're a fashion brand with a crazy budget, by all means, pay one of the Kardashians to endorse it by showing it in their social media and saying something about it. So to sum up, in terms of influencer marketing, I think that this is an amazing type of marketing that you can use to really engage people and that can really work for a company to build its brand and to build its value but it's also not something that's going to work for everyone or for every product at every stage of the purchase funnel thanks for listening and see you in the next episode